How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of English Encore. I'm your host, Nick English. Thank you all for tuning in. Hope everyone's staying safe and staying inside. Um, as promised, I'm back for a second episode on the week on this nice Friday here in Buffalo. Um, so today I'm be talking about um, the five teams that had both the best and worst NFL offseason so far, just based on trades and free agency moves. Then we're going into NHL and NBA and going through the playoffs if they started today and who I think would win. And then to end the show today, I'm going to be going through Joe Lenardi's NCAA tournament bracket. Um, I know a lot of people are super upset that March Madness got canceled. So I'm going to go through his bracket that he put out of the teams he thought would have went in as long as as well as the ones that were already in because they won um, their conference tournament. Um, I'm going to go through that and give who I thought would have won um, the NCAA tournament ultimately. So starting off with the NFL, first I'm going to go through the five teams who I thought had um, the best offseason and then the five teams who I thought went the worst. Um, so, so starting off number one, I think the Chargers had a really good offseason. They were able to get Chris Harris um, from the Broncos, Linval Joseph after he was released from the Vikings. They were able to sign Byron Beluga, right tackle. They were able to trade for Trey Turner with the Panthers. Um, they did have to get rid of Russell Okun because of that, but um, overall they really um, built up their offensive line, which really struggled last year. Um, and they're in good position going into the draft, whether they'd like to go offensive line or take a young quarterback um, early on. Um, it's unclear really what they're going to do with their quarterback situation right now. They did lose Phillip Rivers. Um, they do have Tyrod Taylor on the roster, and they said they're comfortable with him going forward. Um, watched Tyrod for three years in Buffalo. He's definitely not in the top 15, really. He's probably borderline. For the 20 spot, he's more of a probably 25-ish quarterback among starters. But he's a guy that's not going to turn the ball over. Um, he's not going to go out and um, win you a ton of games, but he's going to keep you in a lot of games, and he can make some big-time throws. Um, good leader, and he'd be a perfect bridge quarterback if they decide to go with someone like Justin Herbert, Tua Tagovailoa, any of those guys. But overall, um, they really did a good job in their offseason. Adding Chris Harris and Linval Joseph really just builds up um, their secondary to go along with Derwin James, and they have Bosa and Ingram rushing the quarterback. So, um, yeah, good offseason for the Chargers so far. Um, the Miami Dolphins, to me, have had a really good offseason as well. Um, they brought in Byron Jones, Shaq Lawson, Kyle Van Noy, Emmanuel Agba, um, really reassuring that defense. Um you know, the Dolphins actually put up a decent amount of points last year with Fitzpatrick at quarterback. Um, Devontae Parker kind of rejuvenated himself after um, many down years, really, with Ryan Tannehill um, at quarterback in Miami. But they reassured that defense. Um, I'm a big believer in Brian Flores. I think the Dolphins um, are in a good position, especially with Brady now leaving um, the AFC East. That division's kind of up for grabs. I still think they have a little bit to go. Um, you know, Fitzpatrick's still very inconsistent at the quarterback play. Who knows what Josh Rosen is, whether they'll take quarterback um, in the draft. But um, they definitely did a good job of going out and adding to that defense to go along with some already nice pieces on offense. I still think they need a little bit more offensively. I know they added Jordan Howard, but I don't know if he's really their answer. But receiver-wise, with Devontae Parker leading the helm after a good year, 
Um, Albert Wilson coming off of injury. So they have some nice pieces. Mike Kosicki at tight ends um, was a bit of a surprise last year too. So Dolphins having a good offseason as well. Another team from the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills, having an outstanding offseason. They were able to acquire Stephon Diggs from the Minnesota Vikings to really um, help out Josh Allen on the offensive side of the ball. Um, you know, the Bills had a really good year last year going 10-6 and making the playoffs, but um, you could tell in the playoff game, as good as John Brown and Cole Beasley are, they didn't have that other third receiver um, to really take the top off the defense and allow John Brown a little bit more one-on-one because when they started double-teaming him, it was tough for Josh to really find that their guy, Dawson Knox, was still too young um, in his rookie year. But adding Stephon Diggs was a huge move. Um, and I know Bill's got a little bit of heat for the amount they traded. However, um, with the first, fourth, and fifth, um, and sixth round picks they traded, the fourth the next year picks, so that really doesn't matter. And they had two fifth and sixth round picks anyway. And as Brandon Bean, their general manager, pointed out, the amount they traded for Stephon Diggs probably would have only got them to go up four or five picks in the draft. And, um... It would be debatable if guys like C.D. Lamb, Jerry Judy, or Henry Ruggs III would even be there. So um, I like the move for them. They also added Mario Addison, A.J. Klein, Josh Norman, um, and a couple other guys on their defensive line, Vernon Butler. But Mario Addison, a guy who's had over nine sacks his past four years. Um, A.J. Klein pretty much steps in and fills that void that they lost in Lorenzo Alexander. And then um, Josh Norman obviously is kind of had some down years. Um, I think he's a little bit overrated, but um, he did have success when he played for Sean McDermott on the Panthers and was one of the best corners in the league, so maybe he can help contribute that way. Um, the Arizona Cardinals having a great offseason. They pretty much robbed the Texans by acquiring DeAndre Hopkins. They were able to fully move on from David Johnson's contract. Personally, I do like David Johnson, despite the past few years he's had, um, which haven't been great. But, um, you know, I thought Arizona's line play was a bit skeptical the past few years. But um, I just don't think he fit in Cliff Kingsbury's system very well. They have their running back now in Kenyon Drake. So um, it was just time to move on. But only giving up a second and moving David Johnson's contract for DeAndre Hopkins was a steal. He also was able to bring in Devin Kennard and Jordan Phillips from the Bills um, to reassure that defense. So um, they've had a nice offseason so far. And then my fifth team is the Indianapolis Colts. They got Phillip Rivers um, to kind of take over as their starter. He's only probably got a year or two left, but um, Indy's got a good enough team to make a run um, deep into the playoffs, potentially win a Super Bowl. And they were also able to acquire DeForest Buckner from the uh, 49ers. They had to give up a first-round pick, but really reassuring that defense between him and Leonard at linebacker. And they also got Xavier Rhodes, who the Vikings cut. They did cut Pierre Desir, but um, if Xavier Rhodes can bounce back, he's still one of the top corners in the game. But um, just having Phillip Brewers in there, um, you have Jacoby Brissett still as a backup. Um, so if things hit the fan, you know, you can go back to him or you potentially trade him and get some value back to help your team. But um, Colts have one of the best offensive lines and linebacking course in the NFL. So. Um, I see them as being real contenders, especially now that I think the Texans are kind of out of the running for that division race. Um, losing a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to be very happy. Um, I don't believe in Bill O'Brien as a head coach, so 
I think that division is really the Colts and Titans to battle out for. I mean, obviously, you know, I could have easily put the Bucks on here because I got Tom Brady or even the Saints because they were able to get Malcolm Jenkins and Emmanuel Sanders. But I went more of who acquired the most talent and who acquired the most really put themselves in a better position. Obviously, getting a guy like Brady puts them in a good position, but they really didn't add anyone else besides Brady. And then the Saints, obviously adding a guy like Emmanuel Sanders to go along with Michael Thomas is huge. But again, outside of that, they haven't done a lot else. Um, now going into the five worst teams, number one was very obvious, the Texans. I mean, they traded Hopkins because they said they didn't want to pay him and he had a riff with Bill O'Brien and whatnot. Hopkins is on cap for only 12.5 and they took on a contract in which David Johnson's 11.1 cap hit this year. And then they signed Randall Cobb to a three-year, $27 million deal. So that's an average of nine per year. It's only 6.1 on the cap this year, but it's just mind-boggling that you think that Randall Cobb and David Johnson supplements your offense for DeAndre Hopkins because it doesn't. And they also lost DJ Reader on their defensive line. Um, they traded away Clowney last year for pretty much next to nothing. Um, and, you know, J.J. Watt's health is still always up in the air, so I think the Texans are rough shape and I don't think Deshaun Watson's going to want to be there um, for much longer um, the Jets are another team I didn't think had a great offseason um, I think they did a little bit of work as far as trying to help out Sam Darnold as far as getting some offensive linemen between Greg Van Rotten, Connor McGovern and George Fan. I actually like uh, Greg Van Rotten but um, the other guys have really just been career backups and if they can turn into starters that's great, but if not, um, not really sure how much that's going to help them. Um, and then they lost Robbie Anderson and Brandon Shell from their offensive line. And they replaced Robbie Anderson with Broussard Perriman. And Perriman had a good year last year in Tampa Bay, but he's been so inconsistent throughout his career and his injury issues. And I know Robbie Anderson, um, he's kind of almost in that Josh Norman category as far as he's a pretty talented receiver, but he's always had a lot of off-the-field issues. But he's total speedster, and he's in Carolina now. So, um, you know, I still think they are lacking at the wide receiver position. They still need a few more offensive linemen to really help them. Um, I also just don't believe in Adam Gase. And the division truly is up for grabs, but I think of the four teams, the Jets are in the worst position because they haven't really done anything um, to help out Darnold more. Um, you know, the Bills add Stephon Diggs, John Brown, and Cole Beasley. And they added Mitch Morse and all these other offensive linemen over the past few years. And really the only thing that Jets have done is given Sam Darnold Le'Veon Bell. And they didn't even use him enough last year. So uh, we'll see what they do. Um, the Raiders was an interesting one. I really don't think they've had a great offseason. I know a lot of analysts and stuff think they have. But I think some people misinterpret just because they sign a lot of players that that means they're having a good offseason. Like, to be quite honest, a lot of the guys they signed I didn't think were, like, over-the-top, overwhelming good players. Like, they signed Marcus Mariota. He's an average quarterback. Is he better than Derek Carr? I don't think so. But, you know, um, adding Corey Littleton at linebacker is definitely a solid add. But, you know, Carl Nassib, defensive end, Nick Kwiatkowski at linebacker, like, they don't jump off the page at you. Um they reportedly had signed Eli Apple, but then that fell through, so they're still lacking a little bit in the secondary. Um, so, I don't know. I don't think they did or had a great offseason, but we'll see what they continue to do with their draft and whatnot. Um, Patriots, 
Obviously, when you lose Tom Brady, you're not having a great offseason. They also lost Jamie Collins, Danny Shelton, and they um, part of ways with their kicker, Jaskowski. And the only people they've signed so far are Adrian Phillips, Bo Allen, and Brian Hoyer. So, um, it's interesting to see what the Patriots are going to do. I don't know what their plan is overall. Um, I don't know if they like Jared Stidham enough to start him, whether they're going to go after a guy like Jordan Love in the draft if he falls. Um, take a shot on a guy like Jameis Winston or Camp Newton or trade for Andy Dalton, who knows. Um, but they haven't had a great offseason. Then the Rams, um, the Rams kind of just gotten that bad cap territory, and it really cost them. They had to get rid of Todd Gurley, who, despite um, his injury issues, I still think they didn't use him right last year. And I think he'll tell you that he was more healthy than they kind of let on. And they just overpaid him, and now he's on Atlanta. So they had to get rid of him. They had to, they're paying Jared Goff this huge contract. Um, they cut Clay Matthews, which isn't a huge loss because he's getting older anyway, but a good leadership guy for the locker room. They lost Corey Littleton to the Raiders, um, lost Dante Fowler, and they're very lucky because they weren't going to get Michael Brockers back because he had a deal done Excuse me, with the Ravens, but a deal fell through, so... He ended up coming back to the Rams, but just really bad cap situation. Still a very young and talented team, and I really like Sean McVay, um, but they're going to be in for another tough year. They're one of the toughest, if not the toughest, division in football between um, the Seahawks and the 49ers being in their division. So um, we'll see what uh, they do going forward. So now I'm going to be going into the NHL and how I think those playoff brackets would go if the NHL playoffs started today. So just took the top eight overall teams from um, each conference and put them in to their projected online bracket from NHL.com. So as of right now, so I'm going to start off with the Eastern Conference. So right now it would be the Bruins matching up with the Columbus Blue Jackets the Tampa Bay Lightning playing the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Washington Capitals playing the Carolina Hurricanes, and the Flyers playing the Penguins. The Hurricanes and Blue Jackets are the wild cards from the Eastern Conference. Um, so in round one, I had the Bruins beating the Columbus Blue Jackets 4-1. to one. Um, Columbus made a nice run last year, but they lost a lot of key pieces um, in their offseason. They also had the injury bug um, throughout the year between um, Seth Jones, um, Atkinson had a little bit of an injury issue as well. They lost Bobrovsky in the offseason to Florida. Um, so their goaltending's actually been pretty good this year. They're two young guys, but um, the Bruins are just on a different level than they are. Um, you know, between Pasternak, Marchand, uh, Tuka Rask, uh, Charlie McAvoy, a lot of great players. And I just don't think that the Blue Jackets have another magical run in them. Um, I think the Lightning Leap series is actually super interesting because both teams have incredible talent. You know, Leafs have Austin Matthews, um, John Tavares, Mitch Martin, William Nylander. Um, Tampa's got Braden Point, Kucherov, Stamkos. I know Stamkos is hurt right now, but um, but both teams have kind of lost their edge when they get to the playoffs. You know, Bolts get swept out by Columbus last year as a one seed. Toronto's never really been able to get over that first round hump ever since they've gotten Austin Matthews. But um 
part of it is I just don't think Toronto's there yet, and because of that, I have Tampa Bay beating them in six games, four to two, moving on to the second round. Um, Capitals Hurricanes is another interesting series. I actually went with an upset with the Hurricanes winning in seven games. Um, I really like Alex Ovechkin. I honestly hope he does win another cup, but I don't know. It's kind of a gut feeling. You know, the Hurricanes have a lot of young talent between Tara Vinen, Aho, Um, They could potentially get Dougie Hamilton back. They have Justin Williams, who's a good leader. Uh, Slavin on the back end as well. Um, but I just think the Hurricanes, you know, they made a good run last year. I think they could do it again this year. Um, and then the final series is another interesting one, kind of renewing an old rivalry. The Flyers haven't been in the playoffs for a few years, but they're finally looking good. Hart and goal has been super good this year. Um, a lot of veteran guys on that team mixed in with some really good young players. And the Penguins have kind of just been inconsistent all year. And you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. You know, Carolina was lucky enough last year that they were kind of going back and forth on their goalies and were still able to make a deep run. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Penguins decide to do. You know, they have a couple good goalies. You know, Matt Murray was um, the guy for them a few years ago when they were making deep playoff runs and whatnot. But, you know, they have another all-star goalie on their roster from this year. Um, and I know they're make, missing Jacob Gensel still, but you never know if he'll be able to come back or not. Um, but their goalie, um, his name's slipping my mind for some reason right now. Um, uh, Tristan Jari, that's who it is. Excuse me. Um, but he's had a really good year, made the all-star game. So who knows what they would decide to do. And I think it's going to be a real grind-out series. The Flyers are a very physical team. Um, and I just think the Penguins have been too inconsistent. And I don't know if um, Mike Sullivan for the Penguins is on the hot seat. But um, I think he could be if they don't make a deep enough run. And I do have the Flyers winning in seven games um, to move on to the second round um, this year. And then second round, Bruins. I have them beating the Tampa Bay Lightning four games to two. And then I have the Hurricanes um, losing to the Flyers in seven games to set up a Bruins-Flyers Eastern Conference Finals with the Bruins winning that one four games to one. Um, in the Western Conference, it's Blues-Predators, Abstars, Vegas, and the Jets, and then the Oilers-Flames. Blues-Predators, I have the Blues winning four games to two. I think the Blues have been really good all year. Um, continuing off their Stanley Cup run. Um, the Avalanche, I think they're going to win over the Stars pretty easily. Um, Avs just have a super talented team. Been getting really good goaltending from uh, Grubauer. And then McKinnon's having an MVP-type season. Um, Vegas and the Jets, I think that's going to be a super good series. I think that could go seven games with Vegas winning four games to three. And then... I think the Oilers Flame series definitely is going to be the one that everyone wants to watch just from the perspective of the amount of times they've been going at each other all year, you know, um, battle of two Canadian teams, you know, uh, Zach Cassian and Kachuk have been going at it, fighting and whatnot. I think it'd be a super physical and entertaining series, especially playoff atmosphere. Things tend to get a lot more physical. So, um, 
in the end, though, I think the Flames are the more talented team. I know the Oilers have been on a run with McDavid and Dreisaitl, but I think the Flames, after kind of getting bounced out pretty early last year, are ready to make it run, and they're going to win four games to two. I have the Avalanche defeating the Stanley Cup champion Blues in seven games, um, and then Vegas defeating the Flames four games to two, setting up a Abs-Vegas um, Western Conference Finals, and I have the Abs winning in seven games there. So I have an Avs-Bruins Stanley Cup Final, and I actually have the Avalanche defeating the Bruins in six games. Um, I know the Bruins kind of ran roughshod through the Eastern Conference in my picks, but I just think the Avalanche are the more talented team. Um, Kale McCarr on the deba- back end for them against Charlie McAvoy would be awesome to watch. And then just McKinnon, um, Landeskog, Rantanen, First Marchand, Pasternak, guys like that I think would be a great series. But I think the Avalanche could um, come out on top. Tukarask, even though he's had a good year, I think he's a little inconsistent at times. Um, and Grubauer's been pretty consistent throughout the entire season. So Avalanche over Bruins in the Cup in six games. Um, so moving on to the NBA. Um, so this is if NBA ended today. So the Bucks would be going up against the Magic, one versus eight. Raptors two, Nets seven, Celtics three, Sixers sixth, and then the Heat Pacers in the four or five matchup. So I have the Bucks sweeping the Magic four games to zero, the Raptors beating the Nets four games to one. Um, you know, no Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Durant, too tough for the Nets. Um, Celtics 76ers is probably the most intriguing series in that all the first round for Eastern Conference just because the 76ers are very inconsistent. I honestly don't think Brett Brown is a great NBA coach and I don't think he uses the proper system um, until Ben Simmons develops a consistent mid-range or can even shoot a three-pointer. Um, I don't think they're going to go as deep as they ever want to go. Um, obviously, Joel Embiid's health issues in the past and this season are very concerning. Tobias Harris is not playing up to his contract. Um, Josh Richardson, even though he's a great player, has had some injury issues. And then Al Horford's been nothing when he's been on the Celtics, and he kind of addressed it, you know, between locker room issues and just I don't think he realized um, how bad the locker room culture was there, you know, between Jimmy Butler leaving last year and whatnot. Um, but nonetheless, when the 76ers are fully healthy, they're kind of capable of beating anyone at any given time. But... Um, I think the Celtics with Kemba, Hayward, Tatum, and um, Jalen Brown are going to be able to get past them in seven games. And then the Heat Pacers, I think the Heat are going to win that one four games to two. Um, I think the Pacers are a really gritty team, and that kind of plays right with the Heat. But um, I think the Pacers could definitely steal a few games um, and you know make it a series, even though I think the Heat are the way more talented team. So in the second round, I have the Bucks versus the Heat and then the Raptors Celtics. I think both of those series are going to go seven games. I think the Raptors are going to lose to the Celtics four games to three. And then I think the Bucks are going to beat the Heat four games to three. Um, the Bucks have given the Heat, or excuse me, the Heat have given the Bucks some problems in the regular season so far just because of the physicality. And they've really done a nice job of limiting Antetokounmpo. I think Bam Adebayo has been having an outstanding season. The combination of him and then bringing Iguodala, Jay Crowder really matches up well with the Bucks. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Heat were able to make 
a run to the NBA Finals and get through all these teams just because of how they play. Eric Spolster's a great coach, but I think Giannis is motivated off of last year um, losing a little bit earlier than they wanted to, so I think they're going to be able to hold off the Heat in seven games. And I think the Bucks are going to beat the Celtics four games to two in the Eastern Conference Finals. I just don't think that the Celtics have enough big guys to really handle Middleton, Antetokounmpo, and both Lopez's in the paint. Um, they really are. If they had Al Horford, it'd be a different story, but they don't. So we will see. In the Western Conference, um, Lakers face Memphis. Jazz first OKC, Nuggets Rockets, and then Clippers Mavericks. Um, I think the Lakers get by the Memphis Grizzlies pretty easily. Four games to one, I will give John Morant one game in that series. Very young and special talent. Um, the Utah Jazz, four games to two, I think, over Oklahoma City. Between Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, a lot of really good players can shoot the lights out. Joe Ingles, another guy. Um, and, you know, OKC has some nice pieces between Gallinari, um, Chris Paul, Steven Adams. I just don't think they have enough to get past the Jazz. Nuggets-Rockets is an interesting series. I think the Nuggets win in seven games. I just don't believe in James Harden, Russell Westbrook in the playoffs. Um, if Russell Westbrook can't shoot threes, then I don't see them winning a lot of series. And James Harden's gone cold in pretty much the last four playoffs at some point. So I just don't believe in them. And then Clippers-Mavericks, I think, is the most interesting series out of all Eastern and Weference Conference games. With the Clippers, I think, winning in seven games. I think Luka Doncic and Porzingis are really going to push them. And I think they have a chance to win multiple titles in the future. But right now, between Kawhi and Paul George and Pat Beverly and Lou Williams and them, pretty solid defensively. So... Um, I think they get through the Mavs. I think the Lakers then get past the Jazz pretty easily again, four games to one. And then I think the Clippers handle the Nuggets four games to two, setting up what everyone's been wanting the whole season, the Battle of L.A. in round three in the Western Conference Finals with the Lakers winning four games to three in a seven-game thriller. Um, I think LeBron is going to be motivated more than ever. Um, with Anthony Davis, so this is going to be his chance to win a title. I think what, whoever would have won this series is going to beat anyone in the East pretty much, um, even though I think the Bucks will give them a run for their money. And I just think with everything with Kobe going on um, and his unfortunate death, and then right now with Corona going on, I think it's giving guys like LeBron who are older more chance to rest. And anytime you can get rest for LeBron James, it's a great thing for the Lakers. Um, and I think they'll get it done in the postseason. And then, as I said, I think whoever won this series wins the title. And I have the Lakers beating the Bucks in six games. Um, I think it would be a really good series. But I still think the Bucks are a year away from really potentially winning the NBA Finals. And then, finally, I'm going to go through Joe Lenardi's um, bracket. Um, I'm going to do this kind of quickly. I don't want to have to go through and um, I didn't make, like, game-by-game game predictions as far as scores and whatnot, but pretty much just going to go through the Midwest, East, um, West, and South conferences um, for the tournament uh, and just kind of give my predictions for each game. So uh, Kansas was facing Sienna in the first round. Kansas, pretty much easy win for them. I had Marquette as the ninth seed, beating Houston as the eighth seed. Um, Auburn beating number 12 Liberty. 
Number four, Wisconsin beating North Texas. Number six, Iowa actually losing to number 11, Eastern Tennessee State. Um, Duke beating number 14, Belmont. Number seven, Providence beating Arizona State. And then Kentucky beating North Dakota. Um, So in the second round, I have Kansas beating Marquette. Um, Auburn beating Wisconsin. I have Duke beating Eastern Tennessee State. And then I have Kentucky beating Providence. That sets up a Kansas-Auburn quarterfinal or Sweet 16, as you would say. Um, I have Kansas beating Auburn. And then I have Kentucky beating Duke in what would be a really good game. um, Setting up for um, Kansas-Kentucky for a spot in the Final Four. And I have Kansas winning. And then on the Eastern side of the bracket, um, I have Dayton beating number 16, Boston. Uh, number eight seed Colorado losing to number nine Florida. I have Butler losing to Richmond in the five twelve matchup. Always the deadliest matchup um, in the NCAA tournament is that five twelve game. Um, Maryland number four beating number thirteen Akron. Then I have Penn State losing to number eleven NC State. NC State's had a lot of quality wins regular season. They can get hot at any time. Um, Villanova, number three, beating number 14, Hofstra. And then I have West Virginia beating number 10, Utah State. And Florida State um, beating number 15, Northern Kentucky. Then I have Dayton beating uh, Maryland to move on to the next round. Uh, Actually, excuse me, Dayton beating Florida, uh, Maryland beating Richmond, and then Dayton winning between um, them and Maryland. Then I have Villanova beating NC State. Florida State beating West Virginia, and then Florida State beating Villanova, setting up a number one, number two seed matchup for a chance to final four between Florida State and Dayton. And as good as Obi Toppin is for Dayton, I really, really like Florida State's roster. A lot of really long, lengthy players. um, Very dominant in the ACC, one of the best conferences in college basketball. And I think Florida State upsets number one Dayton to move on to have a spot in the final four. And then going to the western part of the bracket, number one Gonzaga beating number 16 Prairie View. Um, LSU number eight beating number nine Oklahoma. Michigan number five beating number 12 Yale. Oregon the number four seed um, beating New Mexico State the thirteen. Uh, number six, BYU beating number 11, Indiana. Number three, Seton Hall beating Eastern Washington, number 14. Um, Texas Tech upsetting the number seven seed, Arizona. And then San Diego State beating UC Irvine. Then I have Gonzaga beating LSU. And then Oregon beating Michigan with Gonzaga then eventually beating Oregon. Then I have Seton Hall, number three seed, beating number six seed, BYU. San Diego State beating Texas Tech. Then I have Seton Hall knocking off number two, San Diego State. Um, Seton Hall, Miles Powell, one of the best players in the country. Um, I think if they can get hot, they can beat pretty much anyone the entire tournament. Um, They have good depth. A lot of guys that come off the bench wrote in um, Mamu Yekoslevi. Um, one of their best starters, probably butchered that name, but big guy, Quincy McKnight, very tenacious defender. Um, so I think they can beat San Diego State. 
Um, and then I have Seton Hall knocking off the number one seed Gonzaga um, to advance to the final four. And then the south bracket, I have number one Baylor knocking off number 16 Winthrop. Um, St. Mary's beating number nine Rutgers. Ohio State beating Stephen F. Austin. Um, Louisville beating number 13 Vermont. Um, I have Cincinnati, the 11th seed, knocking off the 6th seed, Virginia. And then I have Michigan State beating Bradley, 3-14 matchup. Number 7, Illinois beating USC. And then number 2, Creighton beating number 15, Little Rock. I have Creighton then beating Illinois. And then Michigan State beating Creighton, or excuse me, Creighton beating Michigan State. Um, and then Creighton um, obviously moves into that Elite Eight category. Um, and then from the top part of the bracket again, um, Baylor then beating St. Mary's and Louisville beating Ohio State before Baylor beats Louisville. And then I have a Louisville-Creighton matchup for a chance to go to the Final Four with Creighton winning that and knocking off the number one seed, Baylor Bears. Um, Creighton's a really deep team as well, um, well coached by McDermott. Um, I think it'd be really cool just having um, both Creighton and Seton Hall facing each other again after they kind of had a beef um, in the Big East tournament. And I think it'd be a really, really fun matchup to watch. Um, so for the Final Four, I have Kansas playing Florida State and Seton Hall playing Creighton. I have Florida State knocking off number one Kansas and Seton Hall getting revenge on Creighton to set up a Florida State Seton Hall for the NCAA championship. And I have Florida State winning it all. Um, I think Miles Powell is a super talented player, but I think Florida State matches up with them very well defensively. Um, there are times during the year that Seton Hall gets themselves into foul trouble, or if Miles Powell has an off game, they tend to struggle to find that second guy to really get going. Um, I don't expect Powell to struggle during the tournament just because it is his senior year, and I think he's going to come through. He's a very clutch player, but I really just like what Florida State's done this year, and I think that um, they'd have the best chance at winning the whole thing. But yeah, that's going to do it for today's episode. A little bit of a longer one, trying to get out some more content for all you sports lovers out there that are missing sports right now. Um, you know, it's still a tough time, but we'll all get through this together. And um, I'm going to kind of do the same schedule as next week as well. I'm going to do another podcast on Monday and then another one on Friday, Saturday. Um, but, you know, on Monday, I'm going to talk about um, seven-round mock draft for the Bills. Obviously, we don't have the first-round pick, but I'm going to go through and do a full mock draft for the Bills um, as the NFL draft is going to be coming up. And then I'm going to be building my all-time Bills and Sabres starting lineups. So I'm just going to go through the Bills' offense and defense and plugging in players from potentially this year's team all the way back to the start of the Bills organization. Same thing with the Sabres, starting with all four lines, the six D-men and the two goalies, um, doing that. And then next Friday or Saturday, I'll be talking about the Olympics being postponed, um, why I believe um, winter sport athletes from the NCAA should be given another year of eligibility. And then I'm going to be going through my top 10 athletes in today's game from all sports but yeah that's going to do it thank you all for tuning in again hope everyone's staying safe staying inside practice your social distancing and i uh, hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and i hope you guys tune in on monday
Thanks, everyone.